Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. It's a reunion because Tony and I are together again. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, it's been a little while since we've done an episode together, and we wanted to talk about the liver. And it's a good topic to cover right now in the fall because in Chinese medicine, different organs are active during different seasons, and the liver is more active in the fall. And we want you to understand how your liver impacts your hormones. It's not normally connected to symptoms you're going through in perimenopause and menopause. So we want to unpack what the liver does, what are signs of dysfunction, like how can it impact you going through these hormonal shifts and how to test for imbalances and what to do about it just to ease the transition as your hormones are fluctuating. So if we think about it, you know, in perimenopause, you're probably in your late thirties, early forties, late forties, you've lived a good amount of years. There's still a lot more to go, right? But over the years, more and more toxins have been accumulating in your body. And that's more work that the liver has to do. And then you may have been adding in some medications as you've gotten older. You know, some people might be on medications for diabetes, high cholesterol, migraines, maybe you're still on the birth control pill. So these are all things that the liver has to process and eliminate, and it does a pretty good job of that. But then look at, okay, stressors, um, emotions. In Chinese medicine, unrepressed emotions can impact organ function, and the liver is related to anger. So sometimes there can be some repressed anger. Maybe you're fulfilling too many roles or roles that you don't want to be at this stage in your life. Maybe you're in that sandwich generation where you have so many responsibilities to look after your aging parents, your kids. Maybe you just haven't expressed your true desires or needs. So that can impact how the liver is working as well. And then there is actually less blood flow to the liver as we age too. Unfortunately, we don't have as great circulation as we get older. And we need that circulation for it to process and work and eliminate uh, properly. Um, we know in perimenopause, there can be that high estrogen relative to progesterone. And the liver is needed to make sure we, it's, it's part of the metabolism and the excretion of the excess or in air quotes, bad types of hormones. So if the liver is a little sluggish for some of those reasons, then you can have more enhanced estrogen dominance is the common term that's used estrogen dominance symptoms um, in perimenopause. And then as the estrogen drops, estrogen is seen as kind of like an anabolic steroid or hormone, I should say, not exactly like testosterone, but the liver activity is actually impaired as the estrogen goes down in late perimenopause, and then into menopause, because estrogen does protect our liver, it protects our energy powerhouses in our liver, like the mitochondria. We need estrogen to keep the cells dividing and growing effectively. We need it to be able to respond. We need estrogen to be able to respond appropriately to damage and inflammation in the liver. So commonly, more and more women are being diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And this is not associated with drinking alcohol, hence the non-alcoholic. But we know as we get older too, we do become more insulin resistant. So meaning when we eat carbohydrates, even from fruit, from grains, you know, from seemingly things that maybe didn't bother us when we were younger, we do release a higher amount of insulin in response to it because the insulin we are releasing 
doesn't work as well. And then if we're having these carbohydrates, the insulin's not working as well. We're not burning off these sugars, these carbohydrates, they get converted into fat and they get deposited in the liver. So it can be from that insulin resistance and overload of carbs and sugars, um, but also an inactivity too. When we we're not exercising appropriately, maybe we're not maintaining or building some muscle because the more muscle we have, the better the insulin's going to work. Maybe you're doing, you know, too much cardio and not enough training. So there's a whole or muscle or strength training. There's a whole host of reasons why liver issues can manifest in this time, as well as liver issues can make the symptoms worse in perimenopause and menopause. Ooh, I didn't expect to talk that long, Tony. <laughs> I got to take a breath here. <laughs> you packed in a lot of great info in, oh, in that you. little segment there, Lisa. I've thought about this quite a bit over the last few days. So. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, especially, uh, well, especially over the past few years and just when you have a lot on your plate, I mean, there can be some things that can really impact your your liver more you know again there's there's the huge role of the liver in our hormone metabolism and taking care of all the garbage that we take in and when there is extra stress i mean i've definitely been talking more and more lately with my patients about some unhealthy coping mechanisms to stress and that can be increased alcohol intake, which absolutely can just give your liver more work to do. And then like you mentioned, Lisa, you know, a, a lot of us maybe can reach for more carbs and more junk, more processed food, um, you know, in terms of, you know, some emotional eating, but even, you know, reaching for a lot of highly processed food for convenience, you know, when we're on the go, and we just want to, again, kind of feed our kids, feed ourselves and, and kind of get like, get it done. That really, again, just puts more load on the liver. And definitely our livers don't work the same when we're in our 40s as it does in our 20s. So then uh, given that there is all this garbage that we're taking in, if we're not really unfortunately being mindful and conscious of that. And then there's also a lot more chemicals and toxins that we have to deal with that's in the environment. It's it's just the kind of <laughs> you know what we what we generally have to deal with. And especially if you are living in a larger urban center um, versus in a, a rural area. So there's so much more that our liver has to manage now than it did, you know, a few generations ago. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. And even just thinking like some women are adding on more and more skincare products during this time too, right? There's the, yes. you know, I don't want wrinkles. I need to have this like regime of five different products at night and night creams and eye creams and all of that adds up too, right? So it's just this burden on the body and the, the liver though is really amazing, right? It is detoxing every single day. Um, so yes, as naturopaths, there are times of the year where you might do a bit more of an intensive detox and remove Move, you know, make sure you're actively removing exposures that will tax the liver and giving live the liver more of what it needs, but you are detoxing regularly. Sometimes people do need those resets though. Um, but the liver people don't realize, but maybe, you know, but it is the largest organ in our body and it has over 500 vital functions and it filters one to one and a half liters of blood per minute. That's huge. So it's constantly filtering out toxins, even that we make in our body. So we actually make endotoxins through just normal metabolic processes and our body should be able to eliminate it quicker than it's being, you know, produced as a byproduct. So not only from external exposure, but we make internal endotoxins too. So it's constantly filtering those out and the liver is able to regenerate itself. So even if you have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, I'm sure Tony has seen this too, but in our practices, making recommendations, looking at your blood sugar balance, looking at how you're eating, you're able to help the liver repair and regenerate and reverse some of that damage. So it's a pretty powerful organ. 
Um, there's a lot you can do. Um, but just some of the functions I'll start by touching on is that it does help the liver helps to convert toxins or sorry, hormones to their less toxic forms. So the liver has two major phases of detoxification and detoxification is de defined as making a harmful substance less harmful. So you can eliminate it from the body because we don't want that in your system. So the first phase of detox actually activates the toxin. It frees it up from wherever it is in your body. Maybe it's in a fat store um, and it actually frees it up and makes it more toxic, if you will, so that it will bind to a substance. So then in phase two detoxification, you can eliminate it. Um, so phase one activates it and then phase two binds it to a substance like an amino acid, for example. So then you can eliminate it through the stools, through the urine. It makes it more water soluble. So when you do a detox, a lot of people think fasting, you know, juice fasting, that's going to support them. Yes, you probably are going to get some fat loss and free up of toxins from those fat cells. But if you're not giving yourself the amino acids, the protein, some of the other nutrients you need to bind up those toxins, they can circulate around your body and wreak havoc. And you can really feel like crap, right, Tony? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a really important piece that um, I like to talk about a lot is like, what does it mean to support um, detoxification? What What's my idea of a cleanse or a detox? It really is about reducing what's going into your body and kind of cleaning that up. So, um, you know, again, uh, looking at avoiding some of the things that we talked about in terms of alcohol, um, excess processed food, sugars, that kind of thing, and really providing those nutrients that's going to help those liver detoxification pathways, the phase one and the phase two. And that's, that's really, um, uh, that's really important. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to mean a lot of kind of harsh herbs or, you know, laxatives or, or that kind of thing as a cleanse. It's, it's like, let's really look at how we support that organ that does all of this important work for us um, in a really simple way. And like you said, Lisa, it's something that the liver does day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 24 seven. It never it's gets a holiday. <laughs> It's 24 seven for sure. And so it is something that, you know, we can look at supporting on a daily basis. And there are times that you can really focus more on the liver and, um, and, and, you know, again, do a bit of a cleanse, whether it's um, a couple days or a week or two weeks. Again, that idea of, oh, you know, you don't need to do a detox. You don't need to do a cleanse because the liver knows what to do. Yeah. Thank goodness. Our livers know what to do. We throw a lot at it and we throw a lot at it. We are, we, we put a, a huge load on our liver especially like you said, when we are um, taking certain medications, or especially when we're using certain medications, even over the counter medications like Tylenol that deplete glutathione and glutathione is a key antioxidant and a key pathway for our liver detoxification pathways. So, you know, we, we don't, we're not necessarily helping our livers a lot of the time. And so that's where by doing some really focused support, um, that's where, again, our livers can, can work even better. And, and especially if you maybe don't have really efficient liver detoxification pathways, which will definitely kind of touch on when we talk about how to find out you know, how well your liver is working and, and kind of what testing is possible for, for you to look at as well. It's just, it's the case that just some people don't have just the genetic predisposition to have the same efficiency of uh, those uh, enzyme pathways. And so some people need that support more than others. Mm -hmm. Some people have bigger buckets, they can their liver can really handle and, and handle that, that garbage well, and then others of us, that's really not the case. Yeah, you can have a small bucket, it overflows quickly before it can drain out. So there's a lot of people who are sensitive to even small amounts of alcohol or small amounts of caffeine. So those can be signs, right? Or if you're sensitive to different scents or chemicals in the environment, that may be a sign too. And as liver met, or as liver, as Tony mentioned, I'm not going to call you liver. Thank you. <laughs> as Tony mentioned, um, yeah, the reset is really good for some people, right? Just to shake up your habits, get you to eat a little differently, try some different things 
and then incorporate some of that back into your day to day. But there's a lot of functions of the liver that people are not aware of. We're not going to go through all of them, but just to give you an idea of how important it is, it actually can convert some of your vitamins to their active forms. So you can store them for later use things like vitamin A, E, D, K. Um, It supports um, our blood sugar, our energy production. We store glucose as glycogen in our liver. And that's like we store glycogen in our muscles, right? So let's say you need a source of glucose and you haven't eaten for a while, your body frees up that glucose from the glycogen in the liver. So it does impact our blood sugars. And even in times of stress, you change a lot of that glycogen to glucose. It gets dumped into your bloodstream because your body literally thinks it's running away from that saber toothed tiger, but you might just be sitting at your desk stressed about the work presentation that you have to do. And then that blood sugar is not burned off and that can wreak havoc on your system. Um, We mentioned how it filters the blood. So through filtering out the excess hormones, alcohol, drugs, there's even some immune function in the liver too, to make sure you have um, good immunity and that the immune cells are working properly. Um, It supports to maintain correct blood pressure and prevent the leaking of the blood vessels. We know it's involved in supporting clotting factors. Um, It can go on and on, right? So it's not just just about detoxing the harmful things. It's also about blood sugar balance, vitamin activation and storage, um, immune support, etc. And it also is really important in terms of producing our bile and our bile is stored in all, our gallbladder. That's a really key um, function in terms of being able to ab- properly absorb our fats and our fat soluble vitamins. And a piece of that as well is that our liver actually helps to make and break down our cholesterol as well. So a lot of people don't realize, again, that the liver is involved in all of these things too. So, and then the question is, okay, uh, how do you know if your liver is functioning (laughs) properly? (laughs) How do you know if you're having a problem at all? Um, One of the, yeah, one of the things that we look at Uh, as naturopathic doctors, is some of the connection between um, the liver and certain symptoms and imbalances that that are seen uh, when it comes to the philosophy of traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, So, uh, you know, the philosophy of Chinese medicine is that there's energy that flows through along channels or meridians through our body. There's different organs that have different functions. And those organs are associated with certain channels and also with a number of other aspects. Um, again, you know, the liver is associated with certain seasons, different colors, different smells, and different emotions. And one of the emotions that's associated with liver is anger and irritability and frustration. So it it is about looking at whether that is being expressed or suppressed in your life. And if there is some sluggishness or stagnation or increased heat, um, um, you know, in the with the liver, there can be a number of it can be related to a number of different symptoms or signs that you may be experiencing, whether it is more hot flashes, or skin rashes or itchiness, or acne, um, weight gain, again, cravings or blood sugar issues, fibroids, mood swings, um, cystic breasts, PMS, um, poor digestion, constipation, um, you know, waking up early in the morning, you know, the, the time of that the liver can be, um, or, you know, really active and, uh, and especially if there's an imbalance is between one and 3 a.m. So if you find yourself waking up all the time at two or three in the morning, then that's something to really look at. Um, also, again, that heat from the liver can impact headaches as well, uh, even uh, having more red eyes or, or bloodshot eyes. 
Yeah. So there's a whole host of symptoms. Like most people think liver issues, okay, jaundice, paritis, or itchy skin, but these other signs can be warning signs that you do have an imbalance. Maybe you're not, you know, end stage liver cirrhosis, or maybe not even non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, but it can be signs the liver are not, the liver is not processing things appropriately. And that bucket is overflowing as opposed to draining out the toxins as they're coming in. And when that bucket overflows is when you get these symptoms. Symptoms. And I just realized I said the active time for the liver is fall. I was, I made a mistake there. It's the spring, <laughs> but we That's normally right. do as naturopaths. Well, I focus usually in spring and fall to really do targeted liver work. But of course, year round, because when the temperature is milder, your body can handle it more effectively, right? In winter, your body's kind of in storage mode, hibernation. In spring, there's already a lot of like heat activity. You might not want to add to that. So that was my mistake. Uh, I have, uh, yeah. Anyway, a little bit of a brain, a brain uh, block there, but it is the spring. That's the most active time for the liver. I'm glad you caught that, Lisa, because I didn't even catch that. (laughs) And, but, you know, and a real key piece, especially, you know, you don't necessarily think of the liver as being really important for the immune system. But again, especially when you're going into this change of season, um, you know, when, especially when you're kind of in um, the northern latitudes like we are, where we really need to have really efficient immune function, especially with the kids going back to school and all of that. Um, happening, if there is any kind of compromised immune function, we, uh, you know, we, we don't, we don't want that. So we want to really help to support our liver as much as possible in the fall when it comes to, to that piece, Definitely. as well as, as well as all of those kind of hormonal imbalances and, and stuff that we can be experiencing in perimenopause, um, you know, like heavier periods or irregular periods or, or any, uh, again, the hot flashes or, or any um, masses or cysts or, or fibroids that can come up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hormonal symptoms, like having a tough transition through perimenopause into menopause. Yes, you know, we obviously want to look at the hormones, but we want to look at what's happening at the liver level, and even at adrenal health. And we, we talked about that in another episode. So we'll link to that. But those organ systems are key in terms of helping you get through these transition periods, you know, feeling the best that you can, there are going to be fluctuations, you know, you may not coast through it, but supporting liver health, adrenal health can make that power passage a little smoother. Absolutely. Um, Now, do we want to talk a little bit more about the function of the liver? Or should we just go right into talking about doing some testing? Yeah, I think some testing is good. I think we've driven home just how important (laughs) it is unless there was something we left out that you think we should cover, Tony. No, I don't think so. Let's let's (laughs) talk about okay. So especially if you're, uh, say you're going to a naturopathic doctor, or even talking to your family doctor about, you know, how do I know if my liver is functioning properly? What kind of tests can be done? Now, it's kind of standard tests, standard blood tests that a naturopathic doctor or um, your family doctor would order would be looking at like a liver enzyme panel because there are enzymes that can be released from damaged liver cells and that can be measured in the blood. So, um, and the, you know, these are a lot of acronyms, ALT, AST, ALP, GGT, GGT is my favorite, gamma glutamyl transferase. Um, It's kind of traditionally been a marker for alcohol damage and and alcohol intake. But I've had seen women, especially in perimenopause and menopause, have, you know, slightly higher GGT levels, and they don't drink at all. So what else is happening? That's where again, it is really important about looking at those, um, those the liver and and what else the liver is processing. Um, Other liver function tests that can be helpful, just to make sure that there's proper levels of albumin um, and looking at at bilirubin platelets, those kind of pieces. Of course, in order to look to see if there is any fatty liver or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you're looking at getting an ultrasound. So that can really detect if there are um, any uh, spots where there is fatty liver or even looking to see, are there any, uh, you know, uh, gallstones uh, or sludge in the gallbladder that can also be kind of connected to that bile flow from the liver to the gallbladder. Um, Of course, uh, and, you know, looking at that 
the structure of the liver can be can be helpful sometimes. Again, especially if there's there's those issues for further tests with CT scan or or MRI is is always optional um, and and uh, a possibility. But even looking at some of the other um, standard blood tests can be helpful to just make sure that there's no other issues happening. Like I mentioned, liver is really important in terms of cholesterol. Um, so cholesterol panel, even looking at your ferritin levels, your iron stores, um, you know, I'm sure I've mentioned it before in our iron um, episode that we'll link to in the show notes, but we we need to look at iron stores in terms of ferritin, but we also, what can happen is the ferritin can be elevated when there is inflammation that is impacting uh, the liver as well. So looking at ferritin and iron panel to see if that's um, um, happening at all, inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein, even checking to see, uh, again, um, uh, liver can be absolutely be impacted by certain um, uh, viruses, uh, and hep A, hep B, hep C, those can all be uh, checked through the blood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, different yeah, ahead, leaky, oh yeah, different leaky gut tests, um, you know, can impact the liver food sensitivity tests can be done. Uh, stool tests can be done really looking at, at H pylori to see again, if, or, or if there's any of those toxins from that bacteria that's impacting, uh, the liver can be key. And of course, looking at your triglycerides, your fasting blood glucose, your fasting insulin, your hemoglobin A1C, those are all key, especially if there are any, um, any questions about uh, or any signs of a fatty liver at all. Yeah, you've got lots of options. And even to add on to the blood sugar, like the glucose tolerance test. And if you can kind of get, you know, the insulin and glucose both checked at different time periods, you know, before and after ingesting that hideous orange pop. Um, And I just actually got again, I think I spoke about it before, but I got a continuous glucose monitor. I don't have diabetes, but I'm going to, you put it in a needle in your deltoid muscle and it stays on your arm and you scan it with your phone just to see what's happening with your blood sugar after different meals you're eating, if you've had a bad night's sleep, if you've exercised or not, just to see if there's signs of insulin resistance. Because if your blood sugar is creeping up um, overall after meals or when you're waking up, that can be a sign too, that there can be um, some issues there with liver, with blood sugar imbalances. So I always like to do it every so often just to make sure, you know, what I'm eating, my activity levels, my stress levels are manifesting as healthy and balanced blood sugar levels. So I'll probably put that on when I don't have to wear, you know, I'm still swimming because I like the cold water, but I don't really want people to see me wearing it because they'll be like, Hey, wait a minute, you have diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. And then that would Lisa turn into a great conversation about the importance of blood sugar balance for everyone, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So yeah, it's a good conversation starter. So I should look at it that way. Sure, sure. Um, We've also definitely talked about the Dutch test before, um, the dried urine hormone testing. This can be a really fantastic test to look at those ratios of our estrogen breakdown that you mentioned, Lisa. Um, This is really, um, really key to see, again, how your body is processing that estrogen, looking at that breakdown, looking at methylation, you know, it also gives really fantastic markers of oxidation of DNA damage, and also even levels of glutathione in the body that that I mentioned that antioxidant that's really important for the liver. Um, mm-hmm. Another favorite of mine to really look at um, is your certain genetic markers. Um, if you look at, you know, getting some further genetic analysis of your genes, you know, other than, you know, the typical kind of 23 and ancestry testing that kind of looks at, you know, where you came from, you can do a deeper dive into those genetic markers. And that was something, Lisa, that you talked about with Penny Kendall Reed at a previous, um, on a previous episode. So we'll definitely uh, link to that in the show notes. I really love looking at that kind of analysis because it can give us an idea of how efficient those liver detoxification pathways are working. 
are your phase one enzymes really fast and then your phase two enzymes really slow? Well, that can really build up that those toxic inter, uh, intermediate compounds that you were talking about, Lisa. And then, you know, really create a potential for more oxidative stress, for more damage, for more symptoms in the body and just you not feeling great and even holding on to weight more as well. Um, if you have, um, you know, a slow phase one and a fast phase two, well, again, you're not necessarily even getting that garbage really into, uh, you know, into the bucket and, and or even, you know, partially down the drain properly. So looking at how at your, you know, genetic predisposition of how efficient those enzymes are, can be really key for looking at what is the best way to support your liver and support your liver enzymes and, and what will help you to make sure that your body's not holding on to that garbage especially if it's like, you know, sweeping it under the rug by putting it into your fat tissue and growing your fat tissue. That's definitely something that we don't want. So that's kind of one of my favorites to look at as well. Um, and it can always be great to confirm and look at, you know, what your predisposition is versus what's actually happening in your body, doing some of those blood tests or even doing that Dutch test as well. Yeah, you have lots of options. So don't feel like you have to go get all of these tests. You know, most likely you will get that liver panel done with the ALT, AST, um, or GGT, et cetera. Um, And probably, you know, the lipid panel is a a pretty common one too with the triglycerides and the blood sugar markers. But most people honestly could benefit from some liver support, right? Just making sure you're giving the liver what it needs, avoiding the toxins. So let's dive into what can you do? What's the best bang for your buck to reduce toxic load and support um, liver detox. So definitely number one is avoidance, right? So if you can avoid putting the garbage in, your liver's not going to have to process and eliminate it. So looking at, okay, can you eat organic? Can you follow, um, you know, following uh, the, you know, the dirty dozen avoid those foods because they're the worst sprayed with pesticides and, you know, the clean 15 are the least sprayed with pesticides. So we can link to those lists. They change every year. So it lists the produce, like the produce that's lowest in pesticides. And then the dirty dozen obviously are the ones that are the most sprayed with pesticides. So um, if you you can't buy organic, you know, doing a vinegar and water wash to rinse off some of the pesticides. Some of it will be embedded into the fruits and vegetables, but that's one way. Also looking at your body care products. What are you putting on your skin, on your hair? What cleaning products are you using? Um, EWG.org has some great databases like the skin deep database where you can look up the body care products you're using and they'll rate them based on the actual ingredients ingredients and chemicals in there. So you want to use things that you would actually be able to ingest like food products, right? So maybe you're using vinegar to clean, maybe you're using, you know, coconut oil to put on your skin. Um, We had Joy McCarthy back on and she talked about detox and I love her skincare products. They're so pure and clean. Um, But we deep dived more into the topic of, you know, how to detoxify, but we're going to give you some good tips here. Um, you want to look at air filtration that's really come up over the pandemic, right? How do you clean and filter the air? So whether it's opening the windows every so often, even in winter, turn the furnace off, air at the house for a bit, you know, getting used furniture and carpet where possible. So they're not releasing those volatile organic compounds into the air. You may end up getting an air filtration system. I have the germ guard, I think it's called. So that filters out the air, um, has also a UV C filter in it. So definitely avoidance is key and avoiding you know, too much alcohol, unnecessary medications, you know, there can be a time and a place, but um, really looking at what you're putting into your body. And especially to look at how much added sugar you're putting in as well. Um, That is key, especially in terms of, like you said, Lisa, reducing that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease that we are more at risk of when we are getting older. And you know, and those are some things to really think about, regardless of what kind of testing you can you can do. Those those are really um, kind of the the things that that everyone can do on a regular basis, as well as you know, keeping active, 
um, moving your body, getting your circulation moving. That's, um, that's really key as well as really keeping hydrated too. And, and then, you know, the more water that you can get in, um, that can be really helpful for again, helping with that blood flow and hydrating your body. There's also, you know, a number of other things that you could look at in terms of what you can drink on a regular basis that can help with the liver. There is a lot of research being done on green tea and its benefits to support our liver detoxification pathways and even helping to, you know, reduce cancerous processes as well. So green tea, well, um, you know, it's naturally caffeinated, you can get decaf that has some caffeine still in it, or even a tea like rooibos has really fantastic antioxidants that help to support that as well. Typically, though, also really what you're putting um, on your plate on a daily basis is important. There are a number of specific nutrients that we can find, especially in vegetables. That's key. But even in general, having good, healthy, colorful veggies and multiple colors on a daily basis will give us some of those antioxidants and some of those compounds that really help to support the liver. I mean, especially more of the sulfur compounds like garlics and onion, um, but also, you know, those cruciferous veggies, the brassica family veggies, your broccoli, your cauliflower, your kale, your Brussels sprouts will provide those sulforaphanes as well. Um, leafy greens are really great, um, as well as, you know, some of the other darker colors, the purples, reds, from peppers, eggplant, that kind of thing as well. Definitely. And we know, you know, artichoke, anything really bitter artichoke or like beets and dandelion greens, arugula, this really gets like the digestive juices flowing, the bile flowing. So you have more um, easier elimination and then spices are a powerhouse to support our body's elimination. So things like dried rosemary, fresh or dried turmeric, well, rosemary can be fresh too. Um, you can look at oregano, things that have antioxidants as well to just protect our body. These can be easily added to salad dressings, um, to different vegetable dishes, to meat dishes. And you also want to make sure you're getting protein. It can be plant or animal-based protein because you need those amino acids in phase two detoxification to bind and eliminate those toxins. So make sure um, you're getting enough of those. And then some other good drinks to have, especially this time of the year, turmeric latte, right? You can make your favorite turmeric latte or a matcha latte with the green tea. There's a lot of good, um, like the traditional Medicinals brand has some great liver detox teas with maybe some dandelion root. Some have schizandra in there. Um, so there's lots of lots of good options. And then even choline is really key for detoxification. So getting those egg yolks. Um, there's also something called sunflower lecithin that are granules you can add to your oatmeal, to your yogurt, that especially to help with um, fatty liver disease. But definitely talk to your healthcare practitioner. You don't want to do all of these things. You want to pick and choose the, the few that are going to be the most effective for you. But, you know, obviously some of the food changes can be, can be made no problem there. And then also thinking about, you know, kind of your liver function and, and, you know, not just necessarily what you're eating, but even what you're putting on your liver. Um, one of our favorites as naturopathic doctors is castor oil packs that can really help to, again, support that circulation and that blood flow that we really want to keep nice and healthy as we get older. Um, no one, and something that's even come up even for me, um, more, uh, more recently is going to see an osteopathic practitioner and having them detect some um, some stagnation on a more physical level when it comes to the blood flow of my liver. And, and of course, I've often just think about those liver detoxification pathways and, and, you know, the phase one and phase two enzymes. 
without necessarily, again, thinking of that fact that the liver is our largest organ in our body and takes space in our body that way. So again, that those castor oil packs can be really helpful. Um, and, and also even just getting some, some physical support for your liver too, with that kind of gentle body work of, of an osteopath can be something to consider. Yeah, even acupuncture is so great for the liver too. So there's certain points that support detox. So you can add that in. And then there's something to be said about getting your anger out. Go punch, like go kickboxing, go punch a, um, what are those called? Hanging bags. (laughs) I can't think of the word for you. You know what I mean? A punching bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't think that there's a, I don't think there's a (laughs) fancy word for it, Lisa. (laughs) That's hilarious. I'll blame it on. I had, we had to take Stuart uh, to the emergency because he had croup last night. So I'll blame my uh, brain uh, fog moments on that. Anyway, it's all good. So getting out your anger, right? Like even just a good scream, a good cry, if it has to be in the pillow. So in a pillow, so your coworker or your partner isn't like, what is going on? But just release that anger and that frustration and, and move your body because in stagnation in Chinese medicine, stagnation, so lack of circulation or movement can really fire up the liver and add to those angry PMS, like mood shifting symptoms that a lot of women go through that rage where it comes from. It feels like it's coming from nowhere. Yeah, again, that emotional work and uh, is so key, especially as women. Um, you know, how often are we taught to uh, really express those emotions in a healthy manner. We're not. So, you know, really being mindful and conscious of, again, taking a few moments to really get that frustration, that irritability, that anger out. It may kind of feel a bit silly sometimes, but, um, you know, I've definitely taken to doing a, a few minutes of doing some anger work and setting a timer on my phone to just like, punch our couch <laughs> and just <laughs> nice. think of all and just think of all the things that, I, that I'm frustrated about in the world um I, it's not that hard to think about those things so it's just a great way of, of just exercising that getting it out so that we're not stuffing it we're not suppressing it and it's not you know creating more issues than than we really want so important. I love that, Tony. So yeah, I got to get it some more punching onto soft surfaces like pillows or beds out. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> so now we talked a lot about the liver and gave um, all of you lots of, of food for thought in terms of how liver um, and how we can really support our liver function to make sure that we have the best hormone balance that we can going through perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, we forgot to um, mention milk but I think most people know that one. So we'll just uh, milk thistle and acetylcysteine. There's a whole bunch of supplements and herbs that you can be recommended uh, by your healthcare practitioner, but we don't need to go there right now. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's where definitely seeing um, a naturopathic doctor or herbalist can really help to guide you in the right direction that way. But I think, yeah, I think we've covered everything for the liver. So should we move on to the next part of the podcast with our super mom moment or mama mess up and our mama must have Tony? Let's do that, Lisa. Now you already mentioned a little bit of a um, uh, challenge that you're going through right now with Stuart and being sick, but do you have a super mom moment that you can share with us, Lisa? I do. So um, it's the time of year where there's a lot of chores to do at the cottage. And originally Pete Stewart and I were all going to go up and, you know, I was going to help my parents with a bunch of things, but I was like, Pete was away last week. And I'm like, I need some time to myself. So why don't I just go by myself? I'll get the work done a lot quicker when I actually have rest time. It will be rest time and it won't be, you know, multitasking and juggling a million other things. Um, So I made the decision and Stewart and Pete were fine with that too, because Stewart could stay home and play his soccer and see some of his friends. He gets kind of lonely now if there's no other kids to play with. So I drove up on my own and I actually had a good release. I was listening to music all the way up. And, you know, I I released some of the emotions because we've been going through a lot um, just with some basement flooding, some family health issues. So I had the time to actually sit with my emotions and let them out instead of just kind of like, okay, I just got to push through. I got to get through the next 
next thing. I got to get through the next thing. And I went for a beautiful hike on my own and just got to take in the beauty of nature and just be with myself. Um, And then I got the work done for my parents. They were so grateful. It was just exactly what I needed. But unfortunately, when I came back, Stuart got sick and he was having a hard time breathing last night. So anyway, I I had my cup filled. So I actually don't feel depleted today, even though I didn't get much sleep last night. So I guess I needed that. (laughs) That's good to take care of yourself that way, Lisa. I'm so glad that that worked out for you to do that. And and that you, again, kind of asked for that help and that support in order to do that. Nice. Thanks, Tony. And I know you are doing an amazing job. You're a super mom, but can you think of a mess up? Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, I didn't have as challenging of a night last night like you did, Lisa. Um, And it was just a little bit of a mess up. You know, I thought, okay, um, Frankie, what Frankie did have a lot of energy yesterday. We, you know, we went, we spent a lot of time outside. I thought she got most of it out. I thought, okay, great. She's, she's going to fall asleep really easily. Um, it didn't go that way. She was really determined to put herself to sleep. And so I went ahead. I didn't follow our regular bedtime routine. And I thought, okay, let's just, let's see how this goes because we spend a lot of time outside. She'll just fall asleep really easily. Um, and before, you know, in the past, she's wanted to put herself to sleep before and it's never worked out and it didn't work out last time, last night either. So, oh, well. And so we ended up finally coming to the agreement of her being in bed with me to fall asleep while I was reading my book. Um, so I, I thought, yeah, that's what I wanted to do last night anyway. So I thought, okay, I'll just keep reading my book, The Myth of Normal by Dr. Gabor. Ooh, I want to read that. Yes. So, and it's, it's a big book. So, (laughs) so getting some time to kind of dig into it and then having her kind of cuddle up next to me wasn't too bad, but we'll, uh, that we'll just have to make sure that that doesn't happen too often. Oh, I know we, we, we think, okay, this is going to be the time and maybe it will be, but you know, you gave it a shot, but maybe when she's a little older, right. I know, I know my sister's kids are a little older and they have like a five minute bedtime routine. Now I'm like, what are still like 45 minutes? <laughs> yep. Eventually we'll get there, Lisa. And then we'll miss the 45 minutes, right. We'll be like, man, they don't even want to read a story with me, but right now it's like, mm, I kind of want to read my book. <laughs> I question whether or not I'll already be sad about that, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. That's right. But you're still doing a great job, Tony. Oh, thanks, Lisa. So are you. Thank you. So now, what's your mama must have for today? Yeah, this is something that's kind of like different for me, but I actually went when I was in Huntsville, I went to the local crystal store because I was, there's been a lot going on. I've been, you know, trying to do my self-care practices of, you know, meditation and gratitude, but I just felt like there was some negative energy I needed to dispel. And I really wanted to support, you know, opening up my heart, expanding, just being in the moment, being in flow. And I thought, well, there's some great crystals for that. So I went in and I talked to the lady there and I picked out a few, um, I picked out selenite. Um, so that is basically like salt. And I actually got a salt lamp too, from a local street sale. So I, I uh, love that, but it's supposed to dispel negative energy. And it's really um, important to help connect to like a higher power or your higher self. And then I got rose quartz to help open up my heart to promote self-love to myself and to others. And I really brought the crystals, you know, out at the cottage, I would be intentional with which one I'd put in my pocket. And even, you know, if it was the crystal, if it was the intention or both, I felt like I was just more open to what the weekend had to offer. I was able to, you know, show up and be my best self with my parents. Sometimes we can, you know, revert to old patterns and behaviors when we hang out with our parents. So um, it really helped me to just embrace the weekend and really expand and open up. And I felt like it made a huge difference with my um, intention and approach to the weekend. So yeah, check out some crystals at your local crystal shop. (laughs) Do you have any crystals, Tony? Very cool, Lisa. You know, I have a few kicking around, but nothing that like I use on a regular basis. So I'm not mindful or intentional of it. So I love that you did that. And and again, especially with being intentional around 
um, how you were going about your day and, and, and how you were being. I, I, I love that. Again, those, the crystals supported that. So. Oh, thank you. And Tony, what's your mama must have? I think my mama must have like this week is, you know, something that both of us managed to do, Lisa, is to actually um, ask for for support and help to take time for yourself um, on or take time for your friends. It's definitely something that that I've done um, in terms, especially it seems a bit less challenging right now, a bit easier now that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic. Um, it's nice to be able to see friends uh, again and and even to go to things like concerts. I went to, you know, first concert inside in a theater in a long time um, this weekend with a good friend of mine. And it was just nice to, again, have support of my spouse to be able to do that and and kind of do that that handoff of of Frankie so or you know I was even prepared to just get a babysitter if if you know my spouse was busy cuz again it was just something that I really wanted and it was just important for me to do that so it you know to to not just go through your regular but actually carve out those times um, and it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time. Again, it's great to be able to do that for a weekend, but even if it's for an hour or so, getting someone to, you know, uh, take charge or or to kind of uh, stand in when looking after your little ones um, can be really great to, again, get that me time, kind of, again, refill your cup. Amazing, Tony. That sounds like such a good thing to do for yourself. And yeah, even if it's an hour or two here, a concert or a getaway, there's so many ways to do that. So thanks for sharing. Absolutely, Lisa. So let me share what else is going on with us. So um, my hip next hypnobirthing session for expecting parents looking to de- decrease their fear and anxiety, looking to support their natural instincts around labor and birth is happening soon. I have another one coming up. So you can go to hypnobirthingcalgary.com slash register and you can join Dr. Lisa's meetup group Wild Woman Adventures Toronto if you're looking to get out connect with other women and push yourself out of your comfort zone and Dr. Lisa's Wild Collective Master Classes are happening next week. So they're happening on October 3rd and October 6th. So find out more about this revolutionary and international program uh, through Dr. Lisa. You can uh, follow her on Instagram at Dr. Lisa Weeks ND. And the link to her masterclass is in the bio. So um, you can go there. And also, you know, you can go to perimenopausalmamas.com to find our show notes and past episodes. That can be a, a great way of going and searching for different topics that we've already talked about. You can also email us or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love for you to subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. You can also support us by visiting our Patreon page and tell your perimenopausal mama's friends about us too. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.